Welcome to the additional podcast called Divorce Tips, where I answer some of the most asked questions regarding before, during, and after divorce. These are 10-minute golden nugget episodes to give you as much information as possible from a divorce expert. That's me. Let's go. Welcome to an episode of Divorce Tips Halloween episode. Today we are talking about horror stories within divorce. And the first thing that we want to address is the horror of being falsely accused of something that is not true. This happens more than I ever want to admit in my career of what I do of somebody falsely accusing of the, their ex-spouse or their their child's parent with some kind of abuse, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, or even sexual abuse. I deal with this a lot in my job, and it is devastating. It is truly a nightmare to be the person to have to live through the false accusation um, accusation and having to deal with what to do or how to act or what you need to do to protect yourself or even to deal with the stress of knowing that these allegations are out there and what if somebody believes them. So here I am, I'm going to give you a few tips that I want to give a little bit of hope and understanding when this happens to you. The first thing is, is that these horror stories, usually when a false accusation comes out, is coming from a high conflict personality spouse. So somebody that is not willing to see the best interests of the child or the best interests of the situation and will do anything and everything to hurt you. Regarding this specifically, I have a couple, I have a case specifically that I have done that is an example. When they were going through the divorce, they, there was accusations. And the first time the accusation went to the police, it was a specific accusation that she made against my client, the husband, that he had sexually touched his daughter. Horrible. And... At the same time, she then threw in there that not only had he sexually abused their daughter, but he had sexually raped her during the marriage. In Utah, this is an actual thing. Marital rape is a thing and you can accuse somebody of it. Um, That was the first time, but that was not the last time. Truly, that's got to be one of the scariest situations when you get a call from the police following up on these accusations. A couple tips with that. First of all, when a police officer talks to you and they're just trying to get information or investigate around the circumstance of the allegation, you are not under arrest. So you are not protected by the Miranda rights. However, anything you say and do to that cop can be used against you in a court of law, whether it's a civil case or the DA decides to press charges against you for whatever the allegation is. 
So you have to hear this before you say anything. You have to know specifically that it is not going to lead to something that could technically cause you harm or cause you to have an admittance to a crime that could possibly have you arrested and convicted. Therefore, if you're not sure, you get the opportunity to plead the fifth, whether that detective or that police officer tells you you have that right or not. You do not have to talk to a cop. And you can say, hey, I want to talk to an attorney before I talk to you. And so it will be very, very good for you to stop the conversation. Go talk to an attorney and decide. Your attorney can give you advice on whether it's best to do a statement, to talk to the police officer, to talk to the detective, or to stay silent. But you have to know that. Because if you put yourself in a situation where you admit something that is technically a crime, even if you didn't mean it, even if you feel remorse, even if it happened a long time ago, you have to remember that it can be used against you. So protect yourself. The next thing in my story, this horror story, is that she then decided to start going to DCFS. She wanted to go to the Department of Child and Family Services. That's what we call it here in Utah. It can be called CPS, Child Protective Services. And she started making these allegations of sexual abuse. Again, a DCFS worker then is going to call you because they want to investigate the situation and you need to stop. Because even though that's not a police officer, even though that's not a detective, anything you say to that um, caseworker is going to be recorded and then can be used against you in a court of law. So I always say, stop before you say something and make sure you talk to an attorney before you do anything. Sometimes it makes absolute perfect sense to make a statement to these caseworkers because you didn't do anything wrong. We have the proof to show that you don't have anything wrong wrong. And we know that there's nothing you can say within this confines of this statement that can be used against you in court. Therefore, through guys and through um, your attorney, you can then decide how to go about that. And you don't even have to hire an attorney. Go talk to an attorney. You can do a quick consultation. You can talk to an attorney and get a little bit of advice on what to do with that. But again, DCFS, even though they are caseworkers, anything they say and do can be used against you. In fact, they are mandatory reporters. So if they get anything that they believe is on the line of sexual, physical, emotional abuse, they will then turn over their reports and their phone, their conversations, their recorded conversations with you to the police. This horror story got even worse because then she started going to doctors and their daughter, you know, had urinary tract infections, which is common for young children girls, especially when they're learning to go to the bathroom themselves and learning to wipe. Very, very common. But she was now going to doctors and saying, oh, this urinary tract infection, I am concerned because my husband is sexually abusing my daughter. And again, doctors are mandatory reporters. So if they hear that, the first thing they're going to have to do, because if they don't, they could lose their license. They're going to turn around and tell the cops or they're going to call DCFS and an investigation is going to happen. So again, you have to be very, very aware of what's going on 
you have to be in communication with those doctors, meaning you need to be prevalent in your child's life. You need to know who the PT- pediatrician is. More than not, if you know who the pediatrician is and the pediatrician knows you, they're going to take a pause to want to get more information before they just pass on this false allegation because they know you. They've seen you with their child. And again, you didn't raise any red flags with them. Therefore, there are they're going to want to be more investigative in figuring out what's going on and want to be more apparent and upfront with you. If you choose to be out of your child's life, then it's going to be very easy for um, somebody to go to their doctor and say these things. And the doctor's just going to say, well, I have to pass this along. This horror story is horrible. I think that there was about 12 actual accusations that had to be thoroughly investigated. And of course, there was no, um, there was absolutely no evidence that this was true, that this was happening. And a couple of the things that my client did to really protect him, first of all, he started recording all of his conversations with his ex-wife. When you get that first accusation, you know that your spouse is going to do something to try to hurt you. Therefore, you need to protect yourself. If you can record those conversations without getting in trouble. Remember, you have to know if you're a recording state in Utah, we are a one party consent state, which means you can record somebody without telling them you're recording. Um, however, California is not, you have to have two party consent. So you need to know this. However, if you can record that conversation and that way you're going to be able to get those conversations about some of these accusations about what's going on with your daughter's health. And you're going to be able to get information that's going to protect you um, through this process. Also write notes. If you weren't able to record, you need to write down immediately that this is what happened. This was the conversation you had with the doctor. This is what you said, because you also want to make sure that whatever you said is consistent throughout the process. If you say one thing then to cops, another thing to DCFS, another thing to um, the judge on the stand, those are going to come out because the doctors are going to um, write notes about the conversation. DCFS is um, recording it. Um, police officers are either typing it or recording it. So you have to make sure your story is consistent. And the best way to do that is remember your story. Um, if you change your story, that just leads to credibility issues and shows that you're possibly lying. So you don't want to do that. You want to have your story straight. What I want to talk about and give you a little bit of hope is that she presented this evidence again, again at trial. Five years after this, we've been going, we had debunked all of these accusations, but she got on the stand and she wanted to talk about it. Now we brought the evidence to court because we wanted to show that she was absolutely using this. And I wanted to just tell you that what the court was, um, what the evidence because of our good recording said, they said, turning to a, again, another custody factor, evidence of sexual abuse from the evidence presented. The court is not persuaded that the daughter has been sexually abused by her father. The allegations of sexual abuse were investigated. None of the allegations were substantiated. Given the fact that this mom was reporting allegations of sexual abuse to either deter the father from seeking parent time or turned or she was trying to make it so when the child turned um, three and a half that it was to somehow gain some strategic advantage in proceedings to keeping father from having parent time. 
The court goes on to say that again, that this was um, investigated time and time again, and the court was not persuaded. The court then goes down and says something specifically that said that these allegations and the fact that they were proven is another factor to show that this parent was not willing to facilitate a positive and loving relationship with the other parent, which was the biggest factor that we won in court to show that if this parent was not going to facilitate a relationship with the other parent, it warranted a full change in custody to um, father because he was the one who was willing to facilitate a relationship with mother. These allegations are scary. You have to protect yourself. Find a good attorney that understands these false allegations and can really help you guide through it. Because these are the horror stories that I am passionate about helping others. I will help somebody that is falsely accused of these allegations and I will do whatever I can to reunite them with their children and to hold the person that made these false allegations accountable. Go find an attorney like me that's willing to do the same. You got this. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, follow, and share. I'd love to hear your questions and feedback. You can contact me at community at jillcoil.com. See you next time. I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. Any advice given on the podcast is general and shall not be construed as legal advice. 